Good morning. And I remember David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You know, somebody said that uh, if you think John and Paul are members of the Beatles, it's time for you to go to church. <laughs> yeah. The Bible says that from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord should be praised. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> I'll be preaching uh, from uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 24 to 27. But le let me give you a background of this. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5, all the way to the end of chapter 7, is called the Sermon on the Mount. That is the longest preaching of Jesus Christ. If you have a red-letter Bible, you will see, you will notice that from chapter 5 all the way to the end of chapter 7, it's all red. It's all Jesus speaking. Okay? In these three chapters, you can find the Beatitudes, Beatitudes, which uh, some preachers say is the constitution of the kingdom of God. You can find here also the Lord's Prayer, which is the pattern of prayer for His disciples. And that's, uh, that's you and me. The golden rule is in this passage also. Teachings about money, teachings about divorce and remarriage, teachings about the laws of Moses, teachings about being angry and murder, about lust and adultery teachings about the dangers of false teachers in hypocrisy are here also. And many other teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ on how a believer who put their trust and made Him the master of their life should live, behave, and conduct himself or herself in the kingdom is here in these chapters. So after teaching the people with such authority from chapters 5, 6, and all the way close to the end of chapter 7, Jesus Christ, the master builder, the master carpenter, closed the Sermon on the Mount by conducting a home-building seminar. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, which is about the wise builder, and the foolish builder. So this is my message today. Jesus' home building seminar. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24 to 27. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and thus them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, 
and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for, for this wonderful morning, Lord God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here to worship you, to, to give glory and honor to you, Lord God. And Father, I ask, Lord God, that you will have preeminence in our service this morning, Lord. I pray that you will work and move freely in our midst today, Lord God. May you touch people's hearts and lives today, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Jesus' true followers not only hear his words, but they act on his word, allowing his message to make a difference in their lives. The key to this parable is, as with all the parables, is the central message, not the peripheral details. In this teaching, Jesus explained that his true followers, by acting on his words, are like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The one who builds on rock is a hearing, responsible disciple not a phony, superficial one. These four short verses speaks volumes about how a man should live his life in respect to God's Word. This lesson is one lesson that adults need to be taught, yet simple enough for children to understand. Many houses fall because they are poorly built. Jesus was a carpenter, he was a master builder. And in this passage that we read, he gave a home building seminar. And he said, and he said this about home building. You can never tell the quality of a house until it endures the storm. Every life that is built must be tested by storm. I assure you, your life is a building, and you are building it. And God is going to let you live in it. And the success and quality of it is not by how rapidly it goes up, but how it endures the storms of life. And when the storms come... The story is told of a wealthy builder who had made a fortune in the home building business. He told his foreman, we had been working together for 30 years. I want you to build the most beautiful house that you could imagine. I want you to spare absolutely no expense. This is to be our last house together. I am retiring, and I want you to do the very best job you possibly can. My wife and I are going to Europe for a year, and when we come back, I want to see the most beautiful house that has ever been built, completely finished. So he left. And the foreman thought to himself, this is, my last, this is our last house. 
Here's my chance to make some quick money. I'll charge high prices. I'll use inferior materials. And he so feverishly went about that task. One year has passed and the house was finished. His boss returned from Europe and demanded immediately to see the house. They toured it together and the foreman showed him all the many features that had been built. And when they got, uh, got back to the back veranda, the boss took the keys of the house and handed them to the foreman and said, This is your house. It's my gift to you. I want you to live in it. God is saying to every person, every individual, young and old that is in this room right now, you are building a house called life. And you are responsible on how you are building it. Who is that foundation you choose is your responsibility because you are the one building it. And you are going to live in it. Every person has a house, a life to build. How you build your life determines your destiny, not just for this life, but for eternity. How you build your life makes all the difference between success and failure, between life and death between reward and loss, between acceptance and rejection, between standing and falling. There are three important lessons I want to highlight in this passage that we read. Number one is obedience. Everyone who claims to be a Christian should faithfully obey the instructions of the Word of God. Number two, the storms of life. Every one of us here, believer or not, will go through the storms of life. And some of you might be in the middle of that storm right now. And thirdly is the foundation. There is only one solid foundation we have, and that is Jesus Christ. Any other foundation... Other than him is a false foundation. Now let's start with obedience. There are two kinds of people in this passage. The wise builder and the foolish builder. Both of them build a house called life. Both of them hear the same instructions same message, same sayings. Both of them build the house exactly similar on the outside. The wise builder obeyed the instruction. The foolish builder disobeyed the instruction. The wise man builds his house the hard way because he dig into the bottom of the, to reach the rock, whereas the foolish man builds his the easy way. The wise builder builds his house on a solid rock foundation, 
The foolish builder builds his house on a sinking sand foundation. Both of these houses they build were subjected to the same storm, same rain, same flood, and same wind. One experienced a great deliverance, and the other one experienced a great fall. Now, who is a foolish builder? Don't look at your husband. Just look at me. Now, based on the passage that we read, the foolish builder is someone who hears the instruction. He hears it, you know, he hears the instruction, hears the sayings, hears the words of Jesus, but doesn't obey it. He just totally ignores it. A man, a man ran, ran a stop sign and a policeman pulled him over. And the policeman said, why didn't you stop? And the driver said, I did stop. And the policeman said, no, you only slowed down. And the driver said, I slowed down, and that's the same as stopping. And the policeman said, no, it's not. You're not stopping until your tire stops. And here's the ticket to prove it. The next day, same sign. Same cop, same driver. The driver rolled through the stop sign. The policeman pulled him over and said, you didn't stop. Yes, I did. The driver said, I slowed down and that's the same as stopping. The policeman said, no, it's not. And here's the second ticket to prove it. The next day, same sign, same cop, same driver. He rolled through the stop sign again. And the policeman said, look, your inability to grasp this concept is depressing me. He pulled the driver's head out of the window and pulled it out, pulled out his nightstick and started whacking his head. And, and said to the driver, now, do you want me to stop or slow down? <laughs> See, he doesn't understand what is a stop sign. He doesn't want to obey it. Hmm. You know, you, he simply does not obey the instruction that he heard, and so therefore it never affected his life. This is the foolish builder. It didn't affect his speech, his conduct, his lifestyle, and his choices. He just only had a Bible in his hand. And here's the sad thing is, we see these people in the present day churches. This person only becomes addicted to the symbolism of the church and not to the Savior. They have, this, they have the symbol but not the Savior. He just carried the Bible in his hand but it has no effect, effect on his life. How easy it is to learn religious vocabulary and even memorize Bible verses and religious songs and yet not obey God, God's will. 
I've seen uh, I've seen in the TV the Dog Whisperer. I don't know if you've been watching that. I like that Dog Whisperer. Many times I've, I've watched that, and I always amazed at how he makes those dogs behave and obey. You know? I I also uh, had a chance to go to uh, Sea World many years ago, and I've seen them train porpoise to play basketball and behave, you know. A man went to the circus, and there at the circus was a great white horse. And there was a sign over his head. He says, I will give $500 to the man who can make my horse nod its head. The man looked at the owner, looked at the horse, and he could not make the horse nod its head. And he saw a big tent mallet that was standing there on the corner. And he went over and reached for the tent mallet. And when he got hold of the tent mallet, he hit the horse right between the ears. And shook the horse down to his knees. And the owner said, you can't hit my horse. I'm not going to pay you. And the man said, it's fine. It's okay. It's all right. And next year... Same town, same circus, same horse, same owner, same man came in and saw the same sign. That man walked towards the owner and the horse, and the owner recognized him and said, Don't you ever hit my horse this time. And the man said, I'm not going to hit your horse. The man walked in front of the horse and looked at the horse in the eye and said, Horse! Do you remember me? Do you know? Do you believe that I'm going to hit you? And the horse nodded his head and, and said, pay me. Pay me. So even animals obey and they remember. Now who is a wise builder? The wise builder is someone who hears the instructions and obeys them. He goes to church every Sunday to hear and listen to the message and allows the message to affect his life, affect his speech, his conduct, his lifestyle, and his choices. He not only carries the Bible in his hand, but meditates on it day and night. It is one thing to hear the message of Jesus. And it's another thing to obey the message. It is one thing to sit on the pew and hear what Jesus is saying every Sunday. And it's another thing to put into practice what you heard. It is one thing to read the Bible and it's another thing to apply what you have read. The Bible says that obedience is better than sacrifice. 150 years ago, Charles Spurgeon wrote, Faith and obedience are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God trusts God. And he that trusts God obeys God. So when a person obediently responds to God's word, it is a response trust and faith. 
Holman Bible Dictionary defines obedience as to hear God's word and act accordingly. Obedience is the supreme test of faith in God and reverence for Him. Again, in Samuel 15:22, to obey is better than sacrifice. And that means you can worship all you want. You can praise all you want. You can pray all you want, but these are all meaningless unless it is joined by obedience. That's why to obey is better than sacrifice. Noah obeyed God. Abraham obeyed God. Moses obeyed God. Joshua obeyed God. And many other uh, uh, Bible characters in the uh, Old Testament, the New Testament, they obeyed God. The Bible says, be ye doers of the word and not be hearers only. Matthew 7.23 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I ask you to do? The point is, you don't have the right to claim Jesus as your Lord if you don't obey Him. The word Lord means ruler, master, who exercise authority. So to accept Him as Lord means to obey His rules and submit to His authority. Then Jesus said again, You are my disciples if you do whatever I ask you. Based on those verses alone, it proved that the foolish builder was not a disciple at all. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And verse 21 adds to that on John 14, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he is who loves me. In short, your claim to accept him as Lord is empty, Till you obey his teachings. Luke 11.28 says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now we go to the second point, the storms of life. Both houses built by the wise builder and the foolish builder were subjected to the same storm. Same rain, same flood, and same wind. Storms will always be part of our life. The Bible says that He sends rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. There are, also, there are also no exceptions for the Christians. Whether you are a mature Christian or a new Christian, you will go through the storms of life. Now, what are the storms of life that I'm talking about that we go through? We go through sickness, accidents, sorrow, nervous stress, neglect, loneliness, sin, suffering, disappointments, disease, rejection, tension, poverty, pain, divorce, complaints, mistreatment, pressure. These are, all, uh, uh, these are all storms that we go through. Death, abuse, loss, and, and many more. Uh, but this does not include your mother-in-law moving in with you. Okay? Storms of life are normal in the life of a believer. Right? 
So if storms of life are normal, how many of you feel normal today? No one becomes strong and mature without going through storms of life. You cannot bypass these storms of life and you don't want to bypass them. Why? Let me tell you why. Because bypassing the storms of life may, may bypass some of the most important lessons in life. There are some things about God that you can only learn when you go through the storms. Right? How can you know that He is a healer if you've never been sick? How can you know that God sticks closer than a brother if you have never experienced being abandoned and rejected? How can you know that He is the God who provides if you have never experienced being in need? How can you know that He is your shield if you have never been in danger? How can you know that He is the good shepherd if He didn't give you guidance in the most difficult moment of your life? How can you know that He is the God of peace unless you experience countless of sleepless nights because of problems? How can you know that He is the deliverer unless you have been delivered from some form of addiction? How can you know that He is strong unless you are weak? How can you know that He is everything to you unless you experience hopelessness and helplessness? And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, and I went through some of the storms in my life. I myself went through after storm, storm after storm in my life. And I always amaze that every time I look back, I always see God's hands work on my behalf. And he always proves to me again and again that he is a faithful, loving, merciful, full of grace and compassionate God. There is none likened unto Him. There is none that we can compare to Him. There are some things about your friend that you can learn, that you can only learn when you go through a storm. And there are some things about your spouse you can only learn when you go through the storms of life. A wife took her husband to the doctor. They're having marital problems. A wife took her doc a husband to the doctor. The wife said to the doctor, Doctor, my wife needs help. He's lifeless. There's no spark in this man. He has no drive. Do something. The doctor examined the husband and said to the wife, I want to, I want to see you in my office. And said to the wife, and, and, and the wife went to the office with the doctor, and the doctor looked at the woman and said, Look, if you will feed your husband three square meals a day and give him a sweet, tender, loving care, attention, he'll be just fine. She got angry. She left the office. She slammed the door. And on the way home, the husband looked over and said to the wife, What the doctor said? She looked at him and said, The doctor said, You're going to die. You know, good times don't reveal who you are, right? 
Good times don't reveal what you are made of. And good times don't reveal who you got inside. And storms, trials, and testings will reveal who you really are. And who you got inside. It must be Christ when things are right. Christ when things are wrong. Christ when I got lots of money. And Christ when I don't have any dime at all. Somebody says that the darker the night, the brighter the stars. The hotter the fire, the purer the gold. David Kraft grew up in a Christian family in South San Francisco Bay Area of Northern California. His father was a minister, a godly man who worked in, a, in the church in the South Bay. Young David grew up with his father's love and his father's consistent example. When he was old enough to make the decision for himself, he chose to become a Christian. In time, he left his family in California to go to a seminary in Denver, Colorado, to prepare for a full-time ministry. David was a big, athletic young man. At age 32, he was 6 feet 2 inches tall and weighed 200 pounds. He worked with a group of Christian athletes. Then suddenly, he was diagnosed with a cancer. The disease racked his body, and over a period of time, he dropped from 200 pounds to just 80 pounds, 8-0. When he was about ready to pass from this life into eternity, he asked his father to come into his hospital room. Laying, laying there on the bed, he looked up and said, Dad, do you remember when I was a little boy? How you used to hold me in your arms, close to your chest. David's father nodded. Then David said, Do you think, Dad, you could do that for me one more time? The older Mr. Kraft nodded again and bent down to pick up his 32-year-old 6-foot-2-inch 80-pound son. He held him close to his chest. His son's face was right next to his. The, the two were eye to eye. Tears were streaming down their, both their faces. The son said simply to the father, Thank you for building the, the kind of character into my life that can enable me to face every moment like this. David Crabb passed into eternity shortly after that. Few things are as difficult as a parent as losing a child in death, especially when the parent must stand by helplessly, unable to stop it. What parent wouldn't gladly, would gladly change places with his or her child in such situations? You will never know how good God is until you get into the storms of life. Because when you get into the storms of life, He shows up Himself, the mighty God.
Now we, uh, we go to the, uh, the third uh, lesson. First was obedience. Second was the storms of life. The third is the foundation. Dr. Ravi Zacharias was scheduled to, to do a lecture at Ohio State University. And as he was being driven to the lecture, they passed the new Wexner Art Center. The driver said, this is a new art building for the university. It is a fascinating building designed in the postmodernist view, view of reality. The building has no pattern. Staircases go nowhere. Pillars support nothing. The architect designed the building to reflect life. It went nowhere and was mindless and senseless. And Rabbi Zacharias asked the driver, did they do the same thing with the foundation? And they both laughed. And he said, you can't do that with a foundation. You can get away with the infrastructure. You can get away with random thoughts that sound good in difference of a worldview that ultimately doesn't make sense. But once you start tampering with the foundations, you begin to see the serious effects. There are two kinds of foundations here. One, on, one is on a rock foundation and the other one is on a sand, shifting sand. You don't have to be an engineering, you don't have to have an engineering degree to understand the difference because even a child in a Sunday school class knows the difference. The foundation is, of our life is as critical as the foundation of, our, of any home. When a builder cuts corners on the foundation, the final home is unstable and at greater risk. The same is true of our lives. All that we do, all that we say is rooted in the foundations of our beliefs. To build a house on a sand foundation is to build on self-will, self-fulfillment, self-purpose, self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, and self-righteousness. To build a house on shifting sand is to be unteachable, to be always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. But to build on a solid rock foundation is to build on the Word of God. To build on the solid rock foundation is to build on Jesus Christ, the solid rock. To build on solid rock foundation is to hear the word of God and obey it. To build on solid rock foundation is to apply the word into your life and live it. Jesus is telling us here that in order to weather the storms of life, you must be deeply rooted in the Word of God. If you are going to have a strong foundation, you need to dig deep down. And what does it mean? To dig down deep is to get beyond the surface level Christianity. Not just church attendance, but service in the church not just faith, but deeds that reflect your faith. 
not just reading the Bible, but discovering its truths and applying those truths in our lives. Not just fellowship, but strong, heart-level, sincere relationships. Not live service, but true obedience to Christ as Lord and to His Word. The house that the wise builder and the foolish builder built was exactly the same on the outside until the storm came and revealed the difference. The foundation. The foundation which seems so insignificant and unimportant because it is out of sight is nevertheless the most vital and important thing of all. If the foundation is wrong, everything else is wrong. And there is only one sure foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Isaiah 28.16 says, I lay in Zion for a foundation of stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste, because there is no other name given a name under heaven other than the name of Jesus Christ. Base your life, your eternity upon faith, and trust in Jesus Christ and His Word. And that's the only way to salvation. That's the only way to win in the end. Any foundation apart from Christ will not last. Jesus is not only a master builder, a master carpenter, He is also a foundation specialist. He is here to Repair your foundation right now. His repair is not guaranteed for this life, but for life eternally. There is no better guarantee than that, and you never have to worry about the storms of life again. Jesus Christ is the solid, unshakable, perfect, without flaw, tested, and proven, sure foundation and you have to put your foundation on Jesus Christ believe and trust on him and to prove that you believe and trust him is to obey everything what he says in his word amen praise the Lord let's bow our heads and let us pray father in heaven I, I thank you Lord God for your word for your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path Lord God Lord, may we be an obedient people, Lord God. May we obey you and follow you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for everything that you have done for us, Lord God. Thank you for the message, Lord God. Lord, may this message, Lord God, go deep down in our heart, and obey your words, Lord God. Lord, we give you back all the glory, the honor, and the praises. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.